Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Folly or Different, the number one podcast for people who value real, different conversations about business, marketing, and life. And on this episode, we hang out with my good buddy, legendary professional athlete trainer in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. He's the founder of Paradigm Sport, Joey Wolf. And I've known Joey for years. Uh, He's a man I respect and admire tremendously, and I've trained with him for many years. Um, But he's actually the trainer to many superstar athletes, uh, people like Mitch Hanger of the Seattle Mariners, uh, former UFC 185-pound champion Luke Rockhold, and uh, Nat Young, who was the um, World Surf League Rookie of the Year a few years ago. But also, I think as importantly, um, Joey and his team um, train regular weekend warrior types, um, uh, just like you and me, people who aren't pros, but love to get active and, and stay fit. And one of the things I love the most about Joey is his personal belief, his own point of view, that everyone's an athlete. And, you know, some people are professional athletes. They make their living doing it. And others, um, like you and I, we, we have an athlete inside us. And no, no matter where you are on that sort of quote unquote spectrum, that being active, fit and healthy is a huge part of designing a legendary life. Now, on this episode, we go far beyond the stupidities of seven-minute abs and get-fit-quick scams and shams and schemes, and we have a real different conversation about what it takes to make fitness and wellness stick in your life, to be part of your life. Uh, Joey was with us uh, a year ago, and we had a similar conversation, and that episode was one of our all-time favorite episodes. So I thought it'd be cool to have him back, revisit some things we talked about last year, and talk about some new things, all around practical ideas that you can put in place right now to improve your well-being. Go to Lockhead.com to check out the show notes for this episode and the key takeaways from Joey. Now, are you thinking about taking your business to the next level of growth? Are you in the midst of planning, maybe finalizing your budgets, trying to figure out where to invest, how to drive growth, etc.? My friends at Oracle NetSuite are number one in cloud accounting and ERP for a reason. And that's because NetSuite customers grow three times faster than the typical uh, S&P 500 company. And you can too, because NetSuite is a complete business system from everything from omni-channel commerce to uh, accounting and manufacturing and distribution and multi-currency and business planning and really everything you could need for uh, building and running a legendary high growth business. To schedule your free demo right now and to receive your free guide, the seven key strategies to grow your profits, go to netsuite.com different. That's netsuite.com different to get your free demo and your free guide. Now, my friends at Splunk also want to remind you that we are living in the data age and Splunk is bringing data to everything, every question, decision, and action. To learn how to really turn data into your strategic advantage, go to Splunk, S-P-L-U-N-K.com slash D2E, as in data to everything. That's Splunk.com slash D2E and turn data into doing. I also want to ask you, do your people think your company's awesome? It's a powerful question. My friends at Socrates are the leading digital conversation hub. They want to help to make your company employee awesome. Just imagine being able to text or talk any HR question into your smartphone and get an answer back. That's the power of Socrates. Check out S-O-C-R-A-T-E-S dot A-I today. That's Socrates dot A-I and get Employee awesome. Now, hey ho, let's go. All right, Joey. So, what are we going to talk about? Seven minute abs. Six six minute abs. Six minute abs. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's that time of the year when they kind of get healthy, New Year's resolution, lose weight, get fit, advertising, and it's so ridiculous. This is it. This is the time. Yeah, we don't see, a, it's funny, we don't see an influx in memberships or people coming in our gym. And I don't know if it's because of the 
just it, the price points higher than like a 24-hour fitness. Um, usually we see an influx at the springtime. But yeah, I mean, I before opening this Paradigm Sport, I would go to gyms and the place was packed for like the first two or three weeks. And then by February, March, it was, it was back to normal. But you don't, you don't get that January bump. No, we don't. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice if we did, um, <laughs> but we don't. And, um, but for good reason, I mean, what, I mean, you've, you've been to paradigm, you know, like just a couple of yeah, people, people that are training hard and, um, it's, it's not for someone that's just trying to shed a couple pounds. I mean, people do lose weight there obviously, but it's the people that the athletes that come in, they're pretty committed to what they're doing. So, you know, it's that time of the year and a lot of us have uh, fitness or health oriented goals and there's all this garbage being marketed to us and stuff. And so, I mean, you're somebody who has made fitness, um, you know, a lifelong habit and, and wellness and nutrition and, um, you know, you're an athlete, right? Yeah. And so if I'm somebody who maybe has a new year's resolution, but doesn't want to be you know, the 97% or whatever the number is who breaks their New Year's resolution, but I actually want to make a, a change in my life. Um, how do you think somebody in that situation would go about doing it? I would, so if I, when I meet people like that, I'm just trying to get clear on what their goals are. Um, I think most people are well-intended, um, but the, the main thing that really needs to change is their habits. Um, we all know what to do. We all know that going and exercising in the gym for a minimum of 30 minutes is a good thing. But for a lot of people, there's something preventing them from doing that. So just trying to get clear on what their what their motivating factor is, and it being a new year is a, a a good one. But I wouldn't say it's a great one. And obviously, we just talked about it's not going to sustain through the years, uh, through the rest of the year. So just getting clear on what their goals are, and then um, really trying to start off easy with their habit change. Um, trying to get them to do something that I know they're going to be successful. Um, they know they're going to be successful with, and then once they do that, then building from there. Hmm. Now you you have this thing I I don't know what you call it but where you score somebody's willingness to make changes yeah does that have a name that yeah well or, so I learned what? it from so uh, Dr John Berardi he he owns uh, or started a company a nutrition company called Precision Nutrition and uh, several several of our trainers are certified through that certification and really what what they look at I mean they look at the science behind eating so they're looking at the macro and the micronutrients but people know that eating broccoli is better than eating French fries, but yet there's, there's for some reason they're picking French fries over broccoli, even if they vow to themselves, Hey, I'm going to start eating healthy. And so it's really about changing their habits. So what, what they, what they've done is they've kind of employed this, this model where it's like, I'm going to give you a list of habits and on a one to 10, if, if, if it's not an eight or higher, then we're not even going to go there. So I know for them, when they start trying to get people to change their habits, their their first goal is is slowing down, just being aware of what you're eating and really trying to be slow with your eating. So like actually timing how long it takes you to eat. So um, literally eating slowly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I used to, well, how long does the average person take to eat lunch? Do you know? I don't know. I know I eat fast. I don't know what the average person is, but I also know that it takes, I, I think it's somewhere like 18 minutes for your for your brain to process that your that your body is full. So if you think about that if it if we're eating slower, you're going to you're going to consume less calories because your brain is going to tell your body like hey, I'm actually full. Is um, this why like so many Europeans like the French or whatever are like thin because they have these meals, but they eat them over a long period of time, right? I always thought they were thin because they walk everywhere in Europe. Oh yeah, that's probably yeah. part of it too. But I, any American who's ever been to a restaurant <laughs> in many European countries, anyway, the first thing they comment on is like, "Hey, fuck, hop to it. We're gonna get out of here." Right? <laughs> right. It's like we're not turning the table in right. France. So yeah, so, so eating e slow. Eating slow is is a good one. Um, so for me, at the, at the beginning of 2019, because uh, exercise has always been relatively easy for me. I mean, I, I like you said, I you know, I've, I'm an athlete. I played baseball professionally years ago, and. Um, so I've always kind of identified myself as being an athlete. I like to move. I have ADHD, so I have to be moving all the time. And um, But the nutrition has been very hard for me, and it always has been. So all, there's times where I've gone up in weight and down in weight. Um, and so this year I said, okay, I want to make this a lifestyle for me. You know, I'm, I own a gym. I'm a trainer. I need to model the behavior that I want my clients to be doing. And so... You mean the fat trainer is not yeah, the one that you should go really to? Yeah, that's not really in style. <laughs> and so I made a list of, of some nutrition 
um, changes that I can make, some behavioral changes around nutrition that I can make. And the first one I did was uh, drink more water. Um, you know, I knew I wasn't drinking a lot of water throughout the day. And once I started doing that, once I started the habit and I, I could do it for a week without fail, I would move on to the next habit. And so I just made a, a list of habits that I could I could do and be successful. And some of them are harder than others. You know, like for me, uh, portion control is a really hard one. Um, you like to eat, right? I like to eat a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We went to dinner the other night. You saw how much I ate. I know. I uh, like to eat too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, cutting out we have wives who like to eat. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, cutting out sugar was hard. Um, so again, I don't start with those. Anytime you're trying to take something away, that's going to be a harder habit to, to, to make than to adding something. So adding, oh, really? yeah, adding more protein, that's an easier habit than taking something away. And adding water is easier adding than water, taking adding, sugar. Away. Adding vegetables. Yeah. Adding protein, adding supplements. How do you deal with all the peeing on the adding water? Um, if you consume most most of your water in the morning, um, you won't at least, at least you won't be peeing at night in, at, when you're trying to sleep. Um, but I I've read somewhere where your body actually adapts, and I can tell you anecdotally, the I, like the month of January was tough. I was peeing a lot, and when I'm training clients, it's hard because I'm, if I'm training <laughs> clients back to back, like I I've got to I've got to pee, and so it, it got to be a pain in the ass. But um, over over the course of time, it I don't it, it my body's adapted to that. Hmm. So you think your your system adapts to more water and and you actually pee less over time? Yes, that's interesting. I should, or I'm, maybe I'm just sweating more throughout the day. I don't know. It's coming out somewhere. <laughs> and so, I mean, I know you're not a nutritionist, but uh, what do you think? What do you think is a good amount of water I should start thinking about consuming? So for me, I'm trying to consume about one ounce for every um, pound of, of of weight I am. So I weigh 180 pounds. So I'm trying to take in about 180 ounces of water. And, you know, grade three math was the hardest 12 years of my <laughs> life. So how much water? Like how, so, so if this, you think about it, like, so one of those like um, arrowhead bottles, they're like 16.9 fluid ounces, or sometimes they're, they come in 20 ounces. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, eight, eight, um, math isn't my strong suit either. But, but eight um, to 10 of those. Eight to 10, like yeah, that. but I, I drink one of those uh, 33 ounce hydro flasks. So I'm I'm trying to get like five to six of those a day. Well, hydro flask. What's a yeah. hydro flask? <laughs> so it, it's uh it's like a vacuum jacket. It's like insulated, so it keeps it keeps my water cold. I uh -huh. like to drink my water cold. I don't like, like room cold. temperature water. Yeah, yeah. I think I like, in general, I think most people like their water cold. Yeah, right? in general. Yeah. So so you were successful in that habit. Yes. Yeah. That one's that one's stuck. And, and and a year ago, did you rate that on a scale of one to 10? You said, oh, yes. That was an eight. That was an eight. Yeah. 10 being the easiest. 10 being the easiest. Yeah. But you said getting rid of sugar was, was not that easy. No, that wasn't. I'd say... It, what happens is you start to get in a roll, right? So you start you start getting these small wins, you make these habits, you make the changes, and you see your body physically changing, you feel better. And so that change became easier over time. If if I had started with that one, I would have probably failed miserably. But um, because I was able to add more vegetables, I was able to kind of eliminate processed foods. I started adding water like we talked about. Cutting sugar became a little bit easier. Um, hmm. The one that the one that didn't get easier over time was just portion control. I I just I'm used to eating a lot. Like as a as a as a teenager, I like trained myself to eat a lot because I was trying to put on weight, and so I almost like I, I developed these habits, these eating habits as a, at a young age. I almost used to like pride myself on eating a lot of food, um, just because people would look at me and I don't look like I'm a, a big guy, but they'd say like I've just never seen someone eat so much. So I developed these just a weird relationship with food, and so portion control has always been a, a challenge for me. Me. Um, but over time I was able to cut that out as well. What helped me this year, what I started experimenting with, because I've listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books on intermittent fasting and it's like the rage now. And I had a buddy of mine who opened up a restaurant and actually a, a paleo restaurant and he'd been talking about it for like three years. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a go just to see how it worked. Cause full paleo full, full. So I did, I did. So I started off with intermittent fasting and then I went keto. So I tried keto for like a month. So I was doing the whole pee on strips thing and, and the whole deal. And so, um, but it wasn't something that I can sustain, but it was something I wanted to it's, try. It sounds torturous to me. It honestly, it's not that hard. Like, especially the intermittent fasting thing. Like, I mean, you've, you've, you've done that. You've, yeah. we talked about that. And I, um, I actually don't, well, I don't, depends on what your definition of is, is. but for me, intermittent, intermittent fasting and 
I did it years ago. Um, it's just skipping dinner three times a week. Right. I just, you know. So yeah, by definition, you have like a window. And I think the, I think the window is like, there's like, you want to try to go 16 hours um, before you have your first meal. So for me, I would, and I used, I love eating breakfast. Breakfast is like a big thing. So I thought it was gonna be really hard, um, but it, it actually wasn't. The first like three days for me were hard because I was hungry when I'd wake up and I was hungry for like the first few hours I'd be up. But then you get to a point where it's like, you just, it, it kind of goes away. Um, and now I like it because like today, all I've had today, like we, I worked out this morning. So I was up early this morning. So I woke up at 4.20. I lifted, I was, I did my, uh, trained at five o'clock a.m., and then we went surfing and I had a protein bar at like 10 o'clock, but that's all I've eaten all day. And I feel fine. So like the water, I feel like your body adapts to it. Yeah. And I kind of like it because like when I'm traveling, like if there's like, if I'm at an airport, like it's hard to find good food at an airport. Like I know I can go 16 to 24 hours without eating and be fine. Um, it's interesting. I'm flashing back to... Um in the beginning of the podcast, one of the guys we had on was Mark Devine, the yeah, Navy he's awesome, SEAL. Yeah, yeah he's, he's really cool. And then we did a follow-up episode with him because I was down in uh, San Diego to speak in an event. And so we kind of reconnected there and all that. Now, I remember talking to him about diet because he looks incredible. I, was, I mean, the guys. Uh, and and uh, I'm trying to remember the number, but I want to say he's told me like 1800 calories a day or something like it was a number that I was stunned at how little it was and he said yeah I'm still eating the same amount I was eating in the SEAL teams and I've just trained my body that I don't need that much food and we just eat way too much food right so he's so he's consuming about 1800 that's the number that sticks in my head I might be wrong but whatever the number was like it you know, you look at a guy like that that's incredibly fit and works out like a madman and all that sort of stuff. And if he'd told me he was eating, I don't know, 3,200 calories a day, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Right. But it was it was a way smaller number than that. Well, what's been nice for me, it's, it's honestly saved my budget too, because I would, I would eat three square meals a day. I would eat, eat a big breakfast, big, big lunch and a big dinner. And now I cut the big lunch out. And so I basically eat my breakfast at 12 or one, and then I eat my dinner and it's, and it's, it's, yeah. So you're, so you eat breakfast gonna... and dinner are the same size, but you take out an entire meal. Yeah, so I'm consuming less calories than I was before. So, and so yeah, I mean, this is the thing I wonder about. You know, with all these rages and now intermittent right, fasting is right. the new rage and keto is the new rage and all this shit. But it's like there was a point in time where they told us to eat four to six meals a day and that you should never be hungry. Right, and look at how fat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, right. I was told the same thing, and. Um, the, the the main and this is what I would recommend to your listeners is is we don't have any listeners it's just <laughs> you and me <laughs> is is really try to educate yourself on the stuff and then try it everybody is different um, you know th that new uh, Netflix documentary Game Changers came out and they're talking about how great being a vegan is but then I listen to hear someone talking about like the carnivore diet and that's all they eat is meat and so there's just like these polarizing ideas in terms of what's right. And, you know, even someone like me who's in the health and fitness profession, it's like, it's, it's hard to know what's right. And that's why I did the whole intermittent fasting thing. I wanted to try it for me and see how it affect my body. And so I could speak to my uh, clients and let them know kind of what my experience was. But, you know, I see the research, I see the information that's out there. Um, but it is, I mean, everything like all, all like low fat, high carbs was what they talked about, like in the eighties right. and nineties. And the that's food just, pyramid. yeah, it's been flipped on its head. So, um, I think it's just about educating yourself and, and, and trying to see what works well for you. You know, I, there's a company called habit out of the Bay area mm -hmm. and they actually do a blood test and they test your um, DNA as well. And so I did this about two years ago just to see, and this, their tagline is food personalized. So it's just like, you know, someone comes into the gym and they have a, they have a personalized training regimen based off their mobility and stability deficiencies. Um, this company says, Hey, we're going to, we're going to basically give you a customized nutrition program based off your DNA and your, and your blood. And, um, and according to that, it said that 60% of my calories should be coming from carbohydrates. And so mm. I did that for like a good six months. And um, did it work? Um, it worked fine, but it didn't work any different than me intermittent fasting. I'll tell you that when I intermittent fasted, I lost weight way quicker than I did 
um, eating the way that habit, that habit told me to. And so for me, I'm just trying to experiment as much as I can, get, gather as much information as I can. And that way I can kind of speak to whatever's out there if my clients have questions on it. But um, I tried going vegan for like a month. I made a bet with somebody I'd go vegan. I made it a week and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was... It was terrible. The hard thing for me with going vegan was it, it was just hard to find food. Like we have that restaurant Dharma's here in town. But other than that, it's just like, it was just like, I did, it was hard for me to go find and go out to eat and it made it very challenging. Uh, did you know that um, vegetarian actually is an ancient Indian word? I did not. I did not. Yeah, for bad hunter. <laughs> That's my vegetarian joke. <laughs> um. But I actually tried going vegetarian. I, I never was vegan, but um, for six or seven years in my 20s, mm -hmm. I was pretty vegetarian. And um, it the bottom line is it didn't work for me. My energy level was never right. I ran a marathon. I was like eating carbs and like, I just, it just, it did not work for my body. And the reintroduction of meat changed everything I felt stronger, I, my energy level changed and all that stuff. And from a pure ideological point of view, I'd really rather not kill animals. I'm an animal lover. Right. But um, it's just my body's not right. It's just what's true for me. And I think that's that's kind of the point is I, I, f I feel like everybody's different and certain things are going to work for some people and it's not going to work for others. I was actually shocked that the intermittent fasting worked for me and well in more so the, the keto because based off this test i took through habit 60 percent of my calories was becoming from carbohydrates and here i am doing this keto diet where it's all coming from fat and protein and i felt the same as i did when i was taking carbohydrates so it's uh, to me it's all about having a well-balanced i love how thing. shit gets cool like you know dudes will say like oh are you in ketosis yeah i've been in ketosis <laughs> for you know 17 days or whatever like it just like Really, guys? I mean, it, it, it just sounds like a macho. Like, how long can I go, like, eating almost nothing that makes me happy? Right. <laughs> like, it's some badge of honor. And that's why, I, that, that was one of the reasons I actually liked doing the keto thing. Like, I enjoy foods with protein, obviously, and then fats. And it, it, it wasn't as hard. It definitely wasn't as hard as going vegan. Going vegan for me was very hard just to find meals and to be able to eat and feel full. Um, I did not. That was not my experience when I went keto. Mm. And I mean, you work at, with a ton of pro athletes and a lot of them have nutritionists and stuff. And so, you know, what, what are they talking about in major league baseball or major league surfing or sort of the athletic worlds that you're in? So I, I work with a couple of clients that are really diligent about their nutrition. Some of them, even though they're performing at a high level, they're not as into it as others. Um, but one one client in particular, he's he's all about experimenting as well. Um, and what's hard for the major league baseball guys is they they so they can't really do the the whole intermittent fasting thing, get just given their schedule because you know their games start at seven p.m. They don't get done till ten. Then sometimes they'll grab a workout. They do all the press stuff, so they're not getting home until like one o'clock at night. And if they're gonna eat late, then it, it kind of screws up their schedule. So um, I know. One of them is doing it in the off season, but when he comes to the season, he's not gonna be able to do it. So a lot of them are just they've just got to eat they the got, hours. He's got, yeah, he's got to eat, and he's he's the type that he'll lose weight um, if he's not getting a lot of calories. So he has to eat at night. Um, so it makes it hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but you'd be surprised, man. I work with some pretty high level athletes, and they're not all talking about or looking at nutrition the way you would think they would. I mean, some of them definitely do, but there are some that they're not at all. We're just we're just going for pizza and beers today. Yeah, and it. It seems to be working them at least for now. Probably not athletes that are in their mid thirties though. Like there's it, there's a point where professional athletes go, oh, like I've I've seen this over and over again. They discover stretching and and nutrition, right? Right. right. Um, most of the clients I'm working with, or athletes I'm working with, they're in their late twenties, somewhere in their early thirties. Yeah. Um, but but you know, yeah, they do. They get older, they get wiser, and they kind of see, especially if they want to have the longevity to play. Um, they 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 start to kind of pick up on. Okay, I'm gonna have to start doing things a little bit differently. I mean, I, I eat a lot differently than I did when I was in my early twenties too. Metabolism is different. Yeah, just <laughs> just, just a, a little. little. <laughs> Now, this is also a time of year where, you know, there are people that are out there going um, shopping for, for gyms or trainers or those kinds of things. And so, um, you know, let's maybe talk a little bit about that if I was somebody who was looking for a new gym and or trainer. So it, it depends on, so there's 
like I was saying earlier, there's totally different levels of gyms. Like there's more your kind of high end boutique type gyms like we are. Um, and then at a 24 hour fitness or an in shape, they have trainers there as well. Uh, I guess the main thing I would be looking for if I was shopping for a trainer is, are they certified and what company, what organization are they certified with? Um, cause there are so many different certifications they can get. Um, they can, they can do that just over the internet and get one, you know, within 24 hours. Do I need any kind of a license? Could I just open a, a, a retail location, get a bunch of weights and whatever in there and call myself a trainer? You, you could. And that's, and that's kind of the problem. That's been the problem with the, with the fitness industry for, for a long time is the barrier to entry is so low, um, that just anyone could, could do that. Um, most people i mean even the plumber plumbers need certification yeah and and, and technically trainers do i mean too. i don't mean even plumbers but yeah. you know what i mean yeah, no, i know what you're saying yeah but technically trainers do too um but if i told you i'm certified that's where the conversation begins and ends like you don't ask me like oh well what organization are you certified through and even if i were to tell you you wouldn't know what that oh yes means. well the iudfart yeah. of america right yeah so that doesn't mean anything i can tell you that there's a lot of them. The three that, that are the best, in my opinion, um, is the American College of Sports Medicine. So ACSM is the acronym. And then there's the National Academy of Sports Medicine is NASM. And yeah. then um, the and then NSCA, the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So those three are probably I would say the gold standard in our industry. Um, and then the NSCA has a has a, a another one called the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist, so CSCS. So any strength coach that's coaching at the collegiate level or the professional level, they have to have that certification. Okay. Um, and you have to have a college degree to get that certification. So if a trainer says, "Hey, I'm CSCS certified," that that carries weight in our industry. Um, so those are the things I would be looking at if um, you know if the the skill set, the knowledge of your trainer is important to you. Those are things I'd be looking at. Um, but then there's other things that um, that are other kind of certifications um, that are that are pretty well known as functional movement screen called yeah. FMS. Um, usually that, that that's that's an assessment that 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 we use to kind of evaluate our our clients when they come in. Um, just basically looking at any kind of mobility or stability deficiencies. That way we can better customize or program your your workout. Because we all have imbalances, and our left side is more flexible, or our left hip is whatever. Right? Yep. We all have that. Yep. And, and over time, if that's not addressed. Um, then that can create some 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 pain, some issues, um, but it depends. Some sometimes, like with with athletes, baseball players specifically, any overhead athlete, um, overhead athlete, over yeah. So like a baseball player, so a thrower, a volleyball player, a tennis player. Got it. They're looking up. Yeah, anyone that's putting their their arm up over their head, um, they're gonna have uh, an asymmetry. They're gonna have an imbalance. They're gonna have more. Ex I, like I watch pitchers, mm -hmm. right? Because I love baseball, as you know. And you just watch a pitcher in slow motion, and you look at how can. Torted. Yeah. And not just their arm, their whole body. I mean, it's not, doesn't look like a natural movement at all. Right. But if you're talking about specifically their arm, like, so their shoulder only has like 180 to 190 degrees of total range of motion. And those photographs you're talking about of a pitcher, when their arm is at layback, they're like, they're in excess of external rotation. And because they only have 100, 100, 180 to 190 degrees of total range of motion, that range of motion is going to be compromised somewhere. And it's usually that they lack that internal rotation because their external rotation is so excessive. Hmm. So when I'm taking someone through an FMS, that's going to show up. I'm going to see that right away. So if, if I were to work with some kid off the street, I would be able to tell right away, take him through that assessment, whether he's left-handed or right-handed, if he is an overhead athlete. Oh wow! Just based on the range, just just based on the other yeah, shoulder, the, the the shoulder screen. So the shoulder screen, you can say, well, you're real handsome there, but you're not Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll show up. Wow, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And is it the same with certain other parts of the body? Like I don't know, the range of motion on a squat or something tells you. I mean, is there other no, nothing that polarizing? Um, but what the what the screen does show, and why, which is why we do it is if somebody's you know limited in their active straight leg raise on their right side versus their left that's there's a there's a there's a discrepancy there and that that needs to be addressed and so then I'll know kind of what corrective exercises to prescribe and what types of movements maybe to avoid based based off their current state of where they are and then as they progress we could start to in, incorporate more exercises now I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this but um, whenever we sign up with a new gym/trainer 
you got to get that assessment. You got to sit down and have some conversation and you got to get a functional movement screen. Yes. yes? Some, so it doesn't have to necessarily be an FMS, but some sort of screen because otherwise they're, they're, I, I feel like when they're not doing that, they're not putting your best interest first because everyone moves differently. And it's important to us when we get new athletes in, not only to just see the way their body's moving, but also just uh, kind of going back to the, how this, you know, your original question, what are your goals? Like, why are you here? And because there are times when people come in and they say they want something and they're good for like a, maybe a month, maybe two, maybe three, if they're really getting after it. But by month four or five, whatever it may be, they start to fall off. And and if I don't know what their why is, then it's hard for me to remind them to get them, like what needs to get them back on track. Mm. So it's really important just to have that relationship with your coach. Mm. So your trainer, your coach should yeah. know what your why is. 100%. Because you're going to fall down. Yeah, it, yes, inevitably. I mean, unless you're just some freak that's just highly intrinsically motivated, there is going to become a time where you just start to fall off. But most of us, even those of us who are reasonably intrinsically motivated, we fall off the wagon, right? Yeah. For one reason or another, life gets in the way, we get busy, stay up all night drinking a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels, <laughs> and then the week gets away from you, and then you're like, oh, you know, like, that happens. Yeah, because yeah, the hardest part is getting started. And so if you get started and you're on a roll, and then for whatever reason you get knocked off, then then you have to restart. And so now you're back to getting started again. And that that's for most people is the hardest part. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had that with surfing and I love surfing and part of it was like, oh my god, like I'm going to suck and my shoulders are going to scream and like it's going to it's a long road back, right? right? And and the truth is it's not as long as we think no, it is, right? It never is. It, so let's say I haven't, you know, like for me this past year has been my least active year because of my meniscus and, you know, some other life things and so forth. And so how do you help people to think about you think, oh man, it's going to be two months before I'm remotely competent and I'm going to feel like a donkey and look like it. How do you help me get through, you know, that mindset? So it's starting with the mindset and just talking about um, focusing on one day at a time. So for, for a lot of people, just getting in the gym and just doing 30 minutes of activity is a win. Um, and then really being good about celebrating that. Like don't, don't compare. With donuts? No, definitely not with donuts. <laughs> Uh, but just maybe a follow-up text message, like after after the workout, hey, you did great today, you, your effort was good. Just something that's going to kind of make sure they know. I, it goes a long way when 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 we're not with our client, but we're reaching out and sending text messages and letting them know like how well they're doing, that we're thinking about them outside of the time they're at the gym. Because the reality is, even if somebody was really good and they were coming in every day, that's one hour out of 24 that they have. Yeah. Um, they have 23 hours to make poor choices um and so for us it's <laughs> and like some of us have a phd in poor choices <laughs> so just knowing that um that we're here to support them i think that, that goes a long way mm. it sounds uh i mean i'm so used to it because of course i've known you since before paradigm but uh it sounds awesome but i i it makes me wonder how many trainers and gyms you know take that time right i mean you you guys are pretty special I think it's uncommon because it's it's a lot of work. I mean, we have over 200 members that you know at Paradigm, and so um, to to not only do we try to stay in touch with them after they come to a session, but if they don't come in for two weeks, we have someone from the front desk calling them and, and checking in on them, just making sure everything's okay first and foremost. But but just kind of reminding them, like you know, they're spending it, spend, you know, they're spending over 100 dollars a month to come train with us. Um, that's that's a lot of money, and so. Um, we take that serious and we want to make sure that they're doing what they need to, to, to achieve their goals. And, you know, people get busy, you know, they go on vacation, whatever, but we want to make sure that they're getting in and using the, using their membership. Now, you know, you bring up money, so maybe let's go there. Um, you know, people can have different opinions about costs of things and so forth. And, you know, I, I remember seeing 24 hour fitness uh, specials at, at Costco for, uh, would it, the numbers in my head, uh, would it be 25 or 35 bucks a month? Or I was some insane oh, yeah, number. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's about what they, yeah. But I mean, it's like, it's like buying a car, right? If you want to, if you want a, a car that's nice and goes fast and looks great, it, it, you know, it's going to be a Mercedes is a little bit different than buying like uh, a Kia. Not, not that there's anything wrong with the Kia, but you just got to know what you're, what you're wanting. And so for us, um, all the ladies love a man in a Kia. <laughs> 
but for us again like there's this accountability you're paying for that you're paying for that accountability us us checking in on you if you don't come in for two weeks we're we're checking in on you so um it just depends on what people are looking for yeah and i know i knew opening up paradigm what type of gym i wanted to be opening up right that's why we are what we are um, that's not to say there's anything wrong with the 24 hour fitness. Obviously a lot of people go there. They have a lot of members. Um, but I also know they have a lot of members that don't ever use their space. We actually want our members to come in and use their our business models predicated on nobody exactly. coming. Right. Yeah. Here's the other problem I have with them. If you really want to know, they're not open 24 hours. <laughs> they're not, they're not most of them. Apparently some of them are, but a couple of years ago I went and looked they're not open 24 hours. The one here in Santa Cruz is not open 24 hours. Oh, that's interesting. How the fuck can you be named 24-hour fitness and like, not be open 24 hours? like false advertisement to me. Yeah, the other company that's like that, just as a side note, is Three Day Blinds. Are they a local company or is that a big company? I don't know how big they are, but they should be renamed Three Week Blinds. Because <laughs> <laughs> I bought blinds from them once and it wasn't three days. It wasn't even close to three days. <laughs> So I've never understood that part. But yeah, it is those sorts of gyms where their business model is predicated on you not coming are sort of weird, right? Yeah. For, so for us, we love community. We're, we have we have a really nice community at Paradigm. Um, it's all about the community and the culture that we try to cultivate there. Um, you know, it's when, when a client walks in, like I know their name, I know their spouse's name i know where their kids go to school like it's it's a it's a family environment and again that's we open i opened a gym like that because that's the kind of environment i wanted to be in every time i i spend 12 hours a day there i wanted to be a place that i like to call home and that others that train there like to call home as well now the interest so that's i think attractive to a lot of people but if you're new to fitness or you're feeling overweight or out of shape or whatever it is um you know, I could see how walking into a place like Paradigm where everybody's sort of going for it and looks happy and knows each other, like it's, and particularly if you're introverted, you know. Um, so I guess, how would I, if I'm somebody who wants that sort of experience, but maybe I'm intimidated by walking into a place like that, how do I kind of uh, get comfortable and maybe even get my courage up to, to, to walk into a place like Paradigm? I think the main thing is, trying to step out of that comfort zone a little bit. I mean, to work with a trainer one-on-one. -on -one, so normally when somebody comes to us and is kind of coming from that place mentally, um, what I'll typically do is have them start off one-on-one. -on -one. Um, if they're not comfortable socially, um, just working with a trainer one-on-one -on -one may give them the confidence they need. Like, okay, I understand how to do these movements. Um, I've seen some, some clients come in and just seen a complete transformation of them. Like they didn't, all they wanted to do was one-on-ones. They didn't want to socialize. They didn't want to be a part of the big group. They looked at it, that as something that they couldn't, they would never be able to do. And as they got more comfortable and more confident, we slowly integrate them into our, what we call small group personal training. So it's one coach and we try to, we cap the classes at four, uh, four people. Um, so then once they got kind of more comfortable there, then they started going into our larger group classes, which we call team training. So I've seen this evolution of some of our some of our clients come in and where they started off and they were just super timid and shy and didn't think they could ever do yeah. something like that. And they, they surprised themselves. So um, I think the main thing is they're going to have to step out of their comfort zone on some level. They're going to have to step out and say, okay, I'm going to work with this trainer one-on-one. -on -one. I want to get educated. I want to understand how to move properly, what exercises I need to be doing. And then from there they can kind of progress if they keep an open mind to it. You know, it's interesting what you say about starting off with some personal training because now, a lot of us don't know what to do. We don't know what good form is. We have no idea. Right. And you can watch some YouTube videos or, you know, you can dust off the, um, what was that DVD? P90X. P90X guy and, you know, or whatever. Tony Horton. <clears throat> was it, was Tony it Horton. Tony Horton. Yeah, yeah. good old Tony. Uh, I always thought he was a little weird looking, but whatever. <laughs> it was very popular. I think he probably did a good job for a lot of people. So you could sort of, um, but the reality is, Many of us, and I don't know if this is a guy thing. I don't know. I have no experience being a woman, but I think as guys, like we don't want to look like the donkey, mm -hmm. right? Like I often try to get guys into yoga. I'm uh, surprised more men don't do yoga, although apparently we're the biggest growth area, but whatever. I don't see very many of them or Pilates, right? Those two things are things that I do on a fairly regular basis that it's almost all women. 
And I say to the guys, hey, you know, you got to try yoga. You got to try some Pilates. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to be the donkey, you know, because I don't know anything. I'm like, okay, well, great. Take two to four, whatever classes, get the basic moves down, get comfortable, and then sort of see what happens after that. So it's a similar thing, isn't it? Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you. And it's hard for me to speak to that because I, I don't mind being a donkey. Like, like <laughs> I, I, like I do yoga, I go to yoga and I'm one of the few males in the class and I'll do Pilates class. I took up boxing last year. Like mm. I'm all about doing new things yeah. and just kind of adding more tools. To it's my been toolbox. awesome watching you get all turned on by boxing. And it's been, it's been a blast doing it. And so it's, it's hard for me to relate when people are that way because it's, because I feel like they're missing out on so much. I feel like there's so much joy in doing new things. And it is hard. And I think that's part of the process is like, it's supposed to be hard because when you, when it gets, when you get good, it makes it that much more enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I, I started, started incorporating hot yoga in my, into my kind of regimen about two years ago. Um, boxing, like I said, and I started doing kickboxing this year in 2020, I'm going to start doing jujitsu. Um, and I guess my expectation is that I am going to be bad at it. Like I don't, I don't have like these high expectations that I'm supposed to be good at it. Um, it, it is what it is. And um, you're not it, Sugar Ray Leonard on day one. No, right? and that's that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, otherwise, it's everything would be. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be that that that, that much fun if everything were just came so easy. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you said that. I remember when I was first really getting into yoga, it was around when I was uh, first surfing. And I was surfing a lot and I was doing a lot of yoga. And I, and I had this moment where I just thought, wow, I spend a disproportionate amount of my time doing stuff I profoundly suck at. And I'm like in front of people sucking. Right. Yeah. There's a there's a humility to it. I think that's also it, good. And some people can do that. And I just I feel like others have a have a very hard time with it. Um, yeah, so it is, it's hard for me to relate, unfortunately on that, on that realm, but. So just um, kind of get over yourself and do it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't take life so serious. Yeah. And I do, for me, I don't want to be the donkey. So I am the guy that wants two to four private sessions so that I know what I'm doing and I've learned the basics and, you know, those kinds of things. Right. And, and there's a difference there. Like I think with, with anything, like I'm not going to just go drop into some jujitsu class. Like I'm going to do one-on-ones and I'm going to learn how to do it properly with my coach. And then when he feels like I'm ready, I will go to an MMA gym or a, a jujitsu gym and, and, and go do that. Um, so there is a safety issue for sure. sure. And that's true with, with uh, exercise and training as well. Um, but that's, that's why you hire a trainer. And, and like I said, hopefully you hire a qualified one, someone that's got a, the credentials that we, we spoke of earlier. Um, but they can help you with that. Yeah. Is there anything else you think we should touch on that you want people to know, particularly about sort of either A, how to get started, or B, let's say they're started and they're already physically active, but maybe they have a goal of taking it to the next level? Yeah. So one of the things that's been helpful for me is um, I like to do Spartan races and triathlons and 10 Ks. And so you could pick whatever it is you want to do, um, but just getting it something on the calendar and then working towards that. So Spartan races are always good because we do one here in in, uh, in Monterey in June. And I know it's, it's the first weekend of, of June every year and it's a tough course and they have the different levels. They have the beast and they have the sprint and they have the, um, the super, I think is what they call it. Do they have the beer drinking pizza? No, I, don't, I don't think they have that one. Heat. There. <laughs> um, but I, I put, I have that on my calendar. And so my training regimen is based off of that. So I'm constantly changing my goals. Um, but just getting something on the calendar that you can work towards and um, and do do maybe if you're into being social then do it socially like we we had a maybe about twenty athletes from Paradigm we did it as a gym last year it was a lot of fun um, so I think that's a good way to to kind of get going is just get get something on the calendar and work towards that yeah and I mean I know a big motivator for me is um, you get a surf trip on the calendar oh yeah and then you're like oh it's three months until we leave okay well. I don't want to be the donkey in the water when right. we get there and we're spending all this money and the beautiful water and the this and the that. I don't want to go there and not have my surf Kelly Slater Quan flowing, right? Right. So you got to drop a few LBs and get in the water a little extra. And get paddle, paddle shape for it. Right. It's a, so it's amazing how a commitment of a date on the calendar changes things, right? Big time. Um, yeah, that's been, that's been helpful. And then just like, um, 
little little things to help me get to the gym is uh, is scheduling with somebody. So mm. making sure I have a training partner. Like I, I just I told you earlier, I was up at four twenty this morning to meet a buddy of mine at five o'clock. Like I wouldn't have gotten up at four twenty had I not been meeting him. But knowing that if I don't show up, he doesn't get in the gym, and I stand him up. Like that's not cool. So so for me, I've kind of compiled a team of my friends to to train with because i know inevitably someone's going to cancel and i'm just i'm not an early morning riser by nature so i try to meet with a group of friends it, it, it makes it makes training more fun because you're with you're with a bunch of your friends um yeah and then you're also having a kick-ass life because you and i meet to go surfing and you're like oh i already lifted this morning and now i'm going <laughs> surfing i'm like who are you captain america <laughs> you pretty much are <laughs> um but yeah it makes it fun and um one of the things that's also been helpful for me is, and it's it's like little stupid things. So um, we were talking offline. I read a book earlier this year called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, it's a phenomenal book and I highly recommend it. Um, but one of the things, I don't even know if he talks about in this book, but I think it falls in line as being like a small, tiny atomic habit that's made a big difference for me is laying my clothes out the night before. So I know that if I spend, you know, 10 minutes lying my clothes out the night before it's going to save me about 20 minutes in the long run in the morning because in the morning i don't know where anything is i'm trying to be quiet because i don't want to wake my wife up so there's and or my kids so um setting the stuff out my stuff out before uh, the night before i work is has been a total game changer for me hmm. yeah i love that and the other one that i do if if i have to get up and get moving is i'll because i'm a coffee guy I'll set the coffee maker up night before so that when you get up, all you do is hit the button. Right. And I, you're, you're, I hadn't thought of it until you said it, but for some reason, organizing, whether it's your clothes or your coffee or little things like that, that you need to get your day fired up, it, it's, it takes way less time the night before. It does. Why is that? <laughs> I, for me, I'm not, I'm just so out of it in the morning. It takes me a good five, 10 minutes to just kind of get going. Um, I don't know, but it's, but I have noticed it and I've been doing it for a while now and it's made a world of difference because like I said, I'm not an early riser by nature. Um, but you've made of, yourself I've one. trained myself to be, which goes back to the, what we were talking about earlier. Like when people tell me they have these like limiting beliefs, it's like, it's just hard for me. And don't get me wrong, I have limiting beliefs in other aspects of my life. I'm not just sitting here saying like I'm perfect, but um, but when it comes to the, the training and the fitness, it's just, there's, there's there's ways around. If you want it bad enough, you can you can make it happen. I love it. Anything else, Joey Wolf? Um, no, just um, I think I, I guess the one other thing I would add. I think we talked about this last year, but I think it's an important one. Is 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 mapping out your your training schedule maybe ahead of time. So whether it's hey, I'm going to work out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So you're making a commitment. You're putting it on your calendar. Um, if you live and die by your calendar, that's a that's a great way to do it. You got to you know make the time for yourself. It has to be on it my ha- calendar yeah. for me. So you, so you put it on there in advance so you, so you know you're doing it. Um, I think that's a that's a big one. That'll help a lot. Uh, I think it's gonna help a lot of people. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to thank you. I love you. Thank you're you. an incredible I you friend. I love training with you. Love surfing with you. Love eating with you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, um, you can see why I love Joey so much. Uh, he's a great human being and he's, uh, he's great at what he does. And he has a great, great team at Paradigm who I uh, appreciate very much. And if you think this was a great conversation, a different conversation, a real different conversation that is worth sharing, uh, I would deeply appreciate it if you shared it with the people in your life right now and or shared it on social media. Uh, make no mistake, approximately 80% of the people who have uh, found and enjoy this oddcast um, we're told about it by a friend and I want you to know, I really appreciate your word of mouth. There's nothing more important for me and frankly, for any business category or brand. So thank you for sharing this oddcast. All right. We would like to thank the incredible Joey Wolf and his company, Paradigm Sport, the athlete training center in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. You can check them out on the internet at paradigmsport.com where you can train like it matters. Um, now if you're in marketing, why not check out my new, uh, and listen, it ain't bragging if it's true. Number one charting marketing podcast on Apple podcasts, Lockhead on marketing on Apple podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or any other, uh, podcast platform. Check out Lockhead on marketing. 
My good friends at OneLifeFullyLive.org. This is the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check them out. The number one, LifeFullyLive.org. GrowWire.com. It's what legendary growth-oriented, entrepreneurial-oriented folks are reading on the internet today. Check out GrowWire.com. Uh, my friends at Bottleneck Virtual Assistants want to help scale you with the power of a virtual assistant. Check out bottleneck.online today. And are you in the B2B space in Silicon Valley? If you are, um, I, I would guide you to Atrenet, A-T-R-E dot N-E-T, because Atrenet has been building legendary corporate websites in Silicon Valley for more than 20 years. Check out Atrenet today at atra.net. And the Front Ralph, the Front Row Foundation, the Front Ralph, I wonder if there's a Front Ralph Foundation. <laughs> Sorry, John Roman. The Front Row Foundation.org. Um, for the last several years, I've been stoked to be involved with this nonprofit. They help people facing the potential of the end of their life um, with, uh, by creating a legendary experience for them. It's one of the most moving things I've ever been a part of. Check out how you can make a difference today at frontrowfoundation.org. All right, I need to remind you that this oddcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that this oddcast clearly gets created in a studio that does contain nuts. Remember to uh, teach fitness, train like it matters. Don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. Remember, in much of the uh, much of the United States of America, it's illegal to be driving slowly in the left-hand lane. Listen to the Ramones. Go for a long walk in the woods. Only buy pasture-raised, free-range eggs. Thank you, Candy Dandy. I love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go out to Marcus Rust, CEO of Roseacre Farms. Sorry, Marky. We just ran out of time for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you investing part of your life with me. Uh, stay legendary. And until we're together again, of course, follow your different.